is Monday, November 21st here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 11 Recap Pod. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me again is Adam Krautwurst. Adam, did you think at all about moving your family to Detroit this week just to be there for both Bills games? You know, I've been to it probably. No, I did not. Let me just <laughs> say that. No, I did not. But I had. So I've been to about 100 Bills games in my life. I've never sat in a suite. And I had free tickets to a suite for the Bills game. So naturally... God shined upon us with six feet of snow and moving it out of state. So it's like, I must keep this from happening. <laughs> oh, just, just horrible luck, horrible luck. But uh, the bills got the win and that's all, that's all that matters. There you go. That's key. Let's move to other games before we get to that game away from home, though. Falcons bears up first. Justin Fields, another productive fantasy day for us, but came away with a left shoulder injury. That's going to be the big thing from this game that we have to watch. I haven't seen any further update on it this morning. Probably going to be one of those things that we have to check on later in the week. Yeah, that's you know that's what you know you kind of face the fear when you've got a quarterback with 18 carries on on, on the day, uh, but that's what we want out of our Justin Fields. You know, fantasy shares 18 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. So um, you know he hit for us again in fantasy, even though we only had 153 passing yards. But uh, yeah, hopefully that shoulder injury is okay. It's, it's the non-throwing shoulder, so I I hope that makes a difference. But uh, yeah, he looked great yesterday as far as fantasy wise is is, is concerned, but. Mooney scored, scored a touchdown here. You know, not, not much going in ways of the, the passing game. Komet had a nice one-headed catch to down the seam. But other than that, only three for 35 for him. Was hoping to get a touchdown there out of him. I know he scored a couple weeks in, in a row there, but not ton to see here. Chase Claypool had 53% uh, route share, which was his highest since joining the Bears, but still only two catches for 11 yards. So they're really the only players you want to be starting, you really want to be starting, are going to be Fields and Montgomery here going forward. And I guess you could sprinkle in a little, uh, a little Darnell Mooney. They are definitely about to face a tougher stretch of games. They just finished with Atlanta. As we mentioned, they're at the jets next home for the Packers after that, who have the aptitude at least to play well on defense at times. So that's not as tough a matchup as it might've been earlier in the season, but it's not as easy as Atlanta either. Then a bye, then Philly, then Buffalo. You know, we mentioned Justin Fields last week, I believe it was, in a buy-sell-hold report as a potential sell. Not because he was about to crash or anything, but because the schedule is about to get a little tougher. Because if you have Justin Fields, you likely had another at least decent quarterback on your roster because Justin Fields didn't do a whole lot for us early in the season. So, you know, let's hope he made a move before now. We might have to wait and see how the shoulder is before you do one now, but we'll see what this week looks like. You mentioned David Montgomery, 121 total yards and a touchdown in the first game since Khalil Herbert landed on IR. So we like that from him. And he's going to be a good volume play, even if the matchups aren't as good um, going forward. On the Atlanta side, Cordero Patterson had a much better fantasy day if your league counts uh, return touchdowns. And I mean, let's hope they do. Even if you don't count return yardage, you should absolutely count kickoff return, punt return touchdowns for those players. Yeah, exactly. And if you have the Falcons defense, you got that double dip there if you had Patterson and and uh and the Falcons D. But yeah, no, I think most leagues do count that. Good, you know, good good for him on that kickoff return for touch. Does that give him did I hear that it gives him the most ever, maybe most kickoff Nine returns for, for his touchdown? career. There you go. Good, good 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 for him. But yeah, not not a ton in the actual volume though, as far as the, the offense is concerned. You know, only ten carries. Um not 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 a lot of targets. Well, wasn't really involved that that, that kind of that return touchdown kind of Saved saved his day. Only two catches versus seven yards. You would have liked to have seen more in a game that was close like this. They were winning, you know, against the Bears. So, kind of a blip there. He's he's really a flex play. Kind of moving forward here. Algier with eight eight carries. Mariota with thirteen 
Carry's got to get him involved with his with his one point nine average yards per carry there in the rushing game. But uh, but yeah, just kind of a sloppy day on offense for them, and they had they had had a big injury today. Kyle Pitts sub three hundred total yards against a weak Bears defense, and are, is a Kyle Pitts injury actually good for fantasy? <laughs> so we don't have to decide whether to start him. You know, I was just thinking that, like, what am I going to do without these eight fantasy points in my lineup now? now, But literally, it's to the point where, like, especially in these big tournaments, like FFPC and FFWC, like, you can't really pick up players. So it's like, I mean, there's no one available. So I just need, like, a guy to put in my lineup. No Dallas Goddard, you know, no, no, maybe not have Kyle Pitts, Zach Ertz. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's like, man, I just want a healthy body to throw in there at this point. Yeah, you're down to. I'm not sure if this guy's a real person, but it says right. he's a end, so right. I'm gonna have to pick him up. I think. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm hearing Maybe. too that it's not. You know, uh, the shark bite said that it wasn't ligament damage yet. Hopefully, so hopefully we can get him back either this week or maybe just one one week off. Yeah, we'll certainly be watching him. At least he, they're not a Thursday game this coming week, right? I don't think so. Ravens Panthers and probably most the most disappointing game overall of the weekend 13-3 Ravens win in this one the positive we'll start out with Demarcus Robinson and the, the positive is not even positive for fantasy teams Demarcus Robinson blew up nine catches for 128 yards for the three teams that started him nine targets the two games at two games before that when he had a six catch 64 yard day on eight targets against the Bucks. so it's not totally out of nowhere also not a guy that has been starting, but probably somebody that should be picked up in a lot of leagues going forward. They actually have a pretty nice closing schedule for passing two matchups with Pittsburgh, one with Cleveland, one in Atlanta among their last four fantasy weeks. Yeah. You know, Demarcus Robinson, you know, this was supposed to be Devin Duvernay. I've got Duvernay at a bunch of rosters. I started him here in a couple, couple spots with injuries and bye weeks, but yeah, I mean, he's certainly worth, worth rostering. I mean, what do they have there in the passing game? It's Devin. I mean, as far as receivers are concerned, it's Duvernay and that's real James Brochet. Like, so yeah, Demarcus Robinson's worth adding. He's going to be a hot ticket on the waiver wire this week, coming off a big, a big week where he is available, but you know, Mark Andrews coming off the shoulder injury looked fine. Six for 63. You know, the problem with this offense is it just doesn't, nothing looks easy. It's like even Lamar, like 11 carries for 31 yards. Like, man, you think Lamar would do way more than that with his, with his 11 carries. Nothing looks easy. They don't have a lot of, you know, talent out there to make it look easy, but even the guys that you would think, all right, you know, we get no Gus Edwards. All right. This is a Kenyon Drake week, you know, 10 carries for, for, for 46 yards, not really involved too much in the passing game, two catches for seven yards. Didn't, didn't look great. You know, losing, um, losing goal line carries to Patrick Richard and stuff like that. It's like, it just doesn't look good for the guys. You're really, you're starting Lamar every week because of that upside and you're starting Andrews because, because he's awesome. And there's no other really options at tight end other than like him and Kelsey. But like, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't look easy. Lamar hasn't been great in like a month. Yeah. Past seven games, he's hit 20 fantasy points twice. So he's not even a lock to start. Like he's one of those guys that you get to Sunday and you're like, I got to start him because if he doesn't blow up, I mean, if he does blow up, I'm going to feel like an idiot with him on my bench. But I mean, at some point you have to be like, it's not happening. I, I This is week 15 now. If I lose this one, I'm done. So uh, there, there are going to be quarterbacks that will be worth starting over Lamar Jackson in the fantasy playoffs that we never would have thought that we would start over Lamar Jackson. This like if you have a Lamar Jackson team that's looking good for getting into the playoffs at trying to add Deshaun Watson is not a bad idea right now. Yeah, if Deshaun Watson's available, absolutely. And that might be – people might already have both, both of them. You know, you were talking about Justin Fields earlier. There might be some Lamar-Justin Fields teams, you know, so where you're definitely starting 
Justin Fields. It just doesn't look easy for these guys. They want to run the ball and play defense. So, and again, there's not a lot of weapons there to really make it happen. And I've gotten questions along the way. Like I have Lamar Jackson and I have Tua or somebody else like that. Should I go ahead and trade Tua? Cause Lamar has got a good playoff schedule for fantasy. I mean, right now, I don't think I could comfortably trade that second quarterback. I think I'd rather have the two options. Agreed. On the Panthers side, once again, this offense is absolute garbage when Baker Mayfield is behind center. He apparently doesn't know that DJ Moore plays football, and it's just like bad to the point that it affects everybody. So we will all hope that somebody else is healthy enough to play quarterback next week. Yeah, I I benched DJ Moore in a ton of spots and felt great doing it. I'm like, there's no way he's going to make me pay for this. And even when Baker Mayfield wants to throw DJ Moore the ball, it gets it gets swatted back in his face. Like every every time it's a slant or a short route, he can't get the ball over the defensive lineman's head. It's just it's incredible. So this guy was the number one pick in the draft. Like it's it's just gross. You can't start anybody uh really on this on, on this team. Deonta Foreman, you know, eleven carries for twenty four yards. But again, they were they weren't losing this whole game. It was close. It was like three to three for like mo- most of the game, but you know, even there, he's not involved in the passing game. So him, you just have to, you just, for a guy like Foreman, you got to hope that they get a, get a lead, which they're just not going to do with, with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. To be fair, the Ravens have been playing better on run defense lately than they were early in the season. Uh, but it, the, the offense is going to hurt Deontay Foreman. They've got Denver next week, which has had vulnerable times. They allowed Josh Jacobs over a hundred yards, but I certainly can't bet heavily on Deontay Foreman in that one. Then the buy after that, I mean, the Detroit matchup in week 16 really looks like the one spot where we can hope to start a Panthers running back. Otherwise, I wouldn't consider Foreman a lock to be in starting lineups in any of the other weeks. Yeah, exactly. And again, you've got, I don't think we have any buys or yeah, this week or next week, maybe it might be two weeks with no buys, but, but yeah, I mean, unless you've got buys or injuries, uh, Foreman's probably not starting for you. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to Bills 31, Browns 23 in Detroit. A run-heavy Bills offense in this one. Just 46% pass for this game. We had Devin Singletary run 18 times for 86 and a touchdown. Uh, James Cook also went for 86 yards on his 11 carries. And once again, Naheem Hines uh, is a rumor. <laughs> That's right. You know, my, it's bad when my 11-year-old son's watching the game going, Dad, why did they trade for Naheem Hines? All I, is it just for his kick returns? And part, yes. Apparently. I think it was just for somebody to take Zach Moss away from them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Listen, I, I would have driven Zach Moss wherever they wanted to send him. They, they didn't need to, they didn't need to make, make a trade, but... Um, but yeah, I mean the the running game looked looked good. I mean, I never I I never say that about the Bills. But the run game looked good. You know, the offense it looked it didn't look easy. It hasn't looked easy for 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 a couple of weeks. And I'm wondering if maybe the whole screwy week they had this week with not being able to practice and the weather and having to go to Detroit, not knowing if they're even going to get out of town, like if that made a very um, kind of, uh, they, they, they weren't, they weren't trying to force the ball that down the field. They weren't trying to do anything crazy. It was just kind of a smash mouth game. You know, Allen looked like a, just like a game, a game manager, this game, 18 of 27 for less than 200 passing, no interceptions, no turnovers, you know, so that's good, but he didn't have that swag. He didn't have that kind of running all over the place kind of look to him. So we'll see if that changes Thursday. Uh, against Detroit for Thanksgiving. So, but yeah, Singletary looked fine. Cook looked looked great. You know, had 86 yards on 11 carries and it had a 30 yard run. So um, good for the running game. Passing game, Diggs. I don't think Diggs had a target till maybe the last pass of the half where he scored. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and there was a moment in the first half where him and 
him and Mick Dermott were like embracing on the sidelines and talking to each other, like whispering each other's ear. Like, I don't know if Diggs was about to fly off the handle, not getting targeted in a game where they were losing. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're losing. They weren't looking good. Allen wasn't even looking his ways. I don't know what was going on there, but Diggs ends up getting there four for 48 in a score. Looks fine. Um, Gabe Davis, five for 68 gets there on seven targets, but again, had two bad drop. I mean, he just is dropping everything. I think he has the highest drop rate in the NFL. It's like 17% or something, but, uh, but yeah, just not, not looking great for everybody, but a lot of those guys still got there just on, on, on touchdowns. It's a third straight game for Josh Allen with one touchdown or fewer. The first one you could explain away because he ran for two scores against the Jets. And the Jets have been playing good on defense. The past two, of course, have followed that right elbow injury. So you wonder how much of a factor that is. You wonder with this game in particular, how much of it was planned to run more, how much they decided to with just how game flow went. So I think it's good that they have a matchup like Detroit coming up next where you don't have to say, man, I'm worried about Josh Allen. I'm not sure whether to start him. You're going to start Josh Allen against Detroit regardless of what goes on there. And we'll, I guess we'll see how the offense you know, figures itself out for that game. It's nice that it's an opponent where everybody should be able to do whatever the Bills allow them to do. Yeah, exactly. And again, they were coming off two, two losses, one that was just impossible that they lost to, to the Vikings. I think maybe they just wanted to – Again, with the crazy week and the weather, let's just get in the wind column. You know, I don't think they came out like necessarily thinking they were going to run the ball. I mean, they were they were losing like the whole the whole first half, and they were still uh, able to keep keep it close. And then kind of uh, just ran the ball a ton in the second half. Gabe Davis, for what it's worth, has seen seven plus targets in three of the past four games, so he has been getting more involved. That helps if you're one of those who drafted him where he was going this year. On the Brown side of this one, not much rushing versus what we're used to seeing from them. Um, a slow day for Nick Chubb. I don't think that impacts him going forward. It's just disappointing for this one. First 300-yard game of the season for Jacoby Brissett. A big game for Amari Cooper, scored twice. Nice game for Donovan Peoples-Jones. Again, five catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown for him. That's his first score of the year. And then we had David Njoku return from his injury, but clearly kind of easing him back in because he ran behind Harrison Bryant among Browns tight ends. Yeah, you know, I wonder too, like when Deshaun Watson comes back, how much better? I mean, this offense has, has been super efficient, you know, all season long. J- Jacoby Brissett, 324 passing yards, three touchdowns. I mean, well, against uh, Bill's defense, again, they don't have any of their starting corners. They, they were missing a ton of defensive players, but he looked incredible, right in sync with Amari Cooper, eight for 113 and two touchdowns. Um, caught, you know, kind of fade routes there, just uh, was better than the cornerback. Um, had a couple of other big catches during the game. Donovan Peoples-Jones, we talked about a little last week, like, hey, maybe he's a wide receiver three going forward uh, because of Deshaun Watson. Well, you know, he's been he's kept it going again, five for 61 and, and, and a touchdown. He's 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 looked good doing it. So uh, and Joku had a, had a big play call or a bigger kind of play called back in this this game, two for 17. I think you're right. I think they were easing him in here. Harrison Bryant dropped dropped a touchdown pass. Uh, four for 41 here for, for him. So uh, this is a pretty good game for them fantasy-wise because when you look at the schedule, like uh, the, Bill, the Bills' defense really kind of holds everybody down here. But to be able to get a game out of the elements in a dome away from Buffalo, they kind of they all, they all got to get to capitalize except for Nick Chubb. Pharaoh Brown also had an early touchdown that he should have caught. So yes, um, been even bigger for Brissett. Could be another pass-leaning game for Cleveland against Tampa Bay. In week 12, this was only the second game all season, though, where Jacoby Brissett threw more than one touchdown. So he's the kind of guy that could be a sneaky upside play if you're in need at quarterback. 
not somebody that I'd go off of this game saying, oh, this this guy is my sleeper for next week. He's going to deliver for me. But yeah, no, I definitely agree there. I just think that the, that the offense, you know, uh, Cooper's been, been great. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been great the last four, four or five weeks. Like Deshaun Watson, when he, he comes in, how much better is he going to make them than this game here? Yeah. You know, yeah, certainly probably not a whole lot better than this particular game against Buffalo, but overall I think it is um, exciting for even unlocking more upside. I'm curious to see, too, once Njoku is all the way back, what that does to Peoples-Jones' targets. But, you know, there were a fair number of targets going to tight ends yesterday. So there there should be room for those three guys, assuming this team does like to pass a little bit more with its $250 million quarterback uh, <laughs> behind center. Commanders 23-10 over the Texans. Antonio Gibson dominated backfield usage in this one. 18 carries for 72 yards. He played twice as many snaps as Brian Robinson Jr. Brian Robinson, okay, 15 carries, 57 yards. Neither of them scored on the ground. The only rushing touchdown for Washington in this game was, of course, Curtis Samuel on a 10-yard run. And really, Adam, they didn't have much in the way of red zone rushing. They had a couple other trips into the red zone, actually three other Good ones where they could have run the ball. The final one was at the end of the game, so they just ran the clock out, and nobody got the score on that one. The previous two, they did a good bit of passing, which you would hope to not see with this team in this matchup. Exactly. And, you know, I started a bunch of Brian Robinson this week thinking, you know, there's no – and then, you know, they put McKissick on the IR. It's like, all right, this is this is the week against the commanders where he, had, where he looks decent. I mean, if Robinson couldn't hit this week – when beating the tech, you know, playing well against, against the Texans, a two running back backfield against the worst run defense in football. Like he only saw what five fantasy points. Um, I mean, it, but this looks like every other week for him, it's five fantasy points. And then when he falls in the end zone for a touchdown, he's playable, you know, so uh, good game for, for Gibson Did, didn't get in the end zone, but again, um, led the team in carries 46% to 38%. Gibson over Roberts and that Curtis Samuel rushing touchdown sucks for all the people who are starting. I mean, you, you find like those are the opportunities that you're looking for um, four yards of carry 18 for 72 for, for Gibson. Plus what we were, what we always want the three catches for 31 yards. That's six points right there. That gets him into RB two to territory, even without the touchdown. So, um, so yeah, Gibson's fine. This is what we're looking for, for Gibson going forward. I mean, 18 carries three catches. We'll take that any day, any day of the week. For him, would have liked to have seen him do a little bit more against this defense, though. The rushing TD is great if you were forced to start Curtis Samuel, but it also probably negatively reinforces that because you you shouldn't be starting Curtis Samuel if you can help it. And this game presented an extra challenge as Jahan Dotson got back to the playing time that he was getting early in the season. This was his second game back from the hamstring injury. He got up to the same kind of route rate as Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel in this game. And if we had all three of these guys playing similar amounts going forward, that's bad news for both Dotson and Samuel because McLaurin maintained his target lead with Taylor Heineke. Yeah, which is great. Did they name Heineke the starter moving forward? Is that, is that what I hear? Afterward, Ron Rivera says he's starting Heineke because they're winning. So Perfect. That it's, it's, it's a flimsy position, I think. If he comes out and has a terrible game, I think it's, it's one of those situations where in any given game, if the first half is awful, we could see Carson Wentz in the second half. And then Carson Wentz beyond that. But for now, it looks like Taylor Heineke. It's not even like he had a great game here. 15 and 27 for 191 yards. But he gets the ball to to the guys that need to get the ball, right? To Terry McLaurin, four for 55. Not a lot of volume, but they're definitely clicking those two. Uh, I think McLaurin's top 10 in yards, uh, receiving yards on the season. So that's good. Nice to see some signs of life out of Logan Thomas. 
five for 65 look good too. Again, running down the seam there. So yeah, I mean, if Heineke can just get the ball to the guys that need it and kind of back to the Curtis Samuels situation, like Curtis Samuel was good at running the ball when he was in Carolina and they don't need JD McKissick. Like Samuels, Samuel can play that JD McKissick role. Like, you know, he can get, you know, two, he had two catches for 18, sorry, two carries for 18 yards and a, and a touchdown. Like he can, he can do that little run pass stuff for them. They don't need another running back. I don't think so. Gibson, Robinson, Samuel should be good. And that adds to Samuel's value moving forward. But they're really the only receiver you really want to definitely be looking to start here is to, to Terry McLaurin. And we should be getting more passing volume in most games. Correct. Washington went 40 carries yeah. versus 27 pass attempts, which is what opponents have been doing against Houston. Why you'll see if you check our adjusted fantasy points allowed, Houston comes up as a negative matchup for passing. It's just because opponents don't need to throw the ball against Houston, not because they're that tough. On the Houston side of this game, absolutely nothing going on offense. We had 21 team rushing yards, 10 of those came from Davis Mills, who had the only offensive touchdown uh, as a runner, also threw two interceptions. So, I mean, he's been bad all season. He hasn't usually been so bad that it makes everybody else bad around him. But we knew heading into this one that it was a bad matchup for Damian Pierce. So it's not shocking that he had a bad game. Yeah, no, I get it. And and again, one of those interceptions for Davis Mills was also off of like Brandon Cook's helmet or whatever. But uh, but yeah, no, he's not good. And the and the Texans don't care. They they want that number one pick. And I don't and I don't I don't blame them. Uh, but yeah, Damian Pierce stinks. Ten carries, eight eight yards, brutal. But again, four he had fourteen opportunities, had four four targets. Um, lined up out wide, two catches for nine yards. Lined up out wide as a wide receiver on a, on a play. Caught a, caught a slant route, like okay, let's get him involved there. I'm I'm, I'm fine with that. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's involved in the pass game, involved in the run game. Again, when you have a good running back on a bad team, you're going to get a lot of these type type duds. Miami not as not nearly as tough a matchup next week. Then a good matchup against Cleveland, as we talked about with the Bills running game earlier. The matchup at Dallas, if you look at our strength of schedule page for running backs, it looks negative, but they have been generous to running backs in recent games. Then we got Casey beyond that. So I would say overall, not a worrisome outlook for Damian Pierce as long as he doesn't hit a rookie wall. We've got week 16 at Tennessee that you might have to plan around. But overall, I would expect Damian Pierce to be much better for you than he was against Washington. Agreed. Philly pulled it out 17-16 at Indianapolis. Really an embarrassing result against this team. But, you know, we'll take the fantasy day from Jalen Hurts. Only 18 of 25 passing, 190 yards, one touchdown, but got us 86 and a touchdown on the ground. Similar to Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders had, you know, a sluggish day for production. Not nearly as bad as Pierce. 47 yards on 13 carries. But like I said for Pierce, a predictably tough matchup. The Colts have been second best in the league in run defense over the past five weeks, I believe it is, in DVOA. Yeah, the Colts have had a, had a nice defense all year, past pass defense too. So they, this this was a tough a tough matchup. Um, you know, Hurts only had 190 passing yards and a passing score, but, uh, you know, they were, they were humming. AJ Brown was humming early. I think he, I feel like he had, he had five for 60 in the game. I feel like they were all like the first two drives, but, uh, but yeah, no, they uh, still 11 points from AJ Brown, 13 or 14 from Devonta Smith. Like they, they're fine. They, they got you there against, against a tough defense. So, um, you know, just from a, from an NFL game perspective, it was, it was, uh, 
kind of nice to see Philly even get the, get the win there at the end, 14 points in the, in the fourth, fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I had all these Jeff Saturday tweets queued up and I had to delete them. I'm like, Oh man, I was about to, I was about to go ham on that. But, uh, but no, I mean, the, listen, the Colts, the Colts at least look, look more organized. They look, look a little bit better, but um, Miles Sanders, I would just like to, to see him, I know this was a bad matchup, but eventually a game where he just pops off for just a monster game. And I, I feel like he's always right there. This, this wasn't one of them, but uh, you know, he, I think he's the, the the next man up. Everyone's kind of had a monster game or two for the Eagles. I think Miles Sanders is is, is due. Uh, next week against Green Bay could be the game that you're looking for. That's a good spot. At the week after that, Tennessee is not the one to no. look for that. And then the <laughs> Giants in the next one. That's one of those games where he's fine to use, but I wouldn't expect anything huge. And then at Chicago, at Dallas, fine finish for his fantasy schedule. You're disappointed with what A.J. Brown gave you yesterday, but it shouldn't be a worrisome result for you if you were like, I hope his ankle's okay. Made it through the game. He and Devontae Smith combined for 64% of Eagles targets in the first game since Dallas Goddard went down. So that's what we're hoping for from them. And there were no more than two targets for anybody else, even though Quez Watkins claimed the one touchdown reception. On the Colts side, obviously the biggest thing is Jonathan Taylor's back. Not a huge game for him, but a game that will take over 20 carries, scored a touchdown early. Alec Pierce, I think, is... The relatively most notable thing here led the team in targets, took 25% of Colts targets in this one. And the numbers went eight, seven, six between him, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell. So those two guys weren't exactly phased out. It was Alec Pierce playing a bit more than usual. His routes were ahead of Paris Campbell for, I'm pretty sure the first time all season. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's, it's a game where they didn't, you know, they just didn't score, score their, their, their touchdowns. I mean, the offense is much more competent, obviously with Matt Ryan in there only three for 213 yards, but again, Philly's got a really tough, tough defense. So, but it's nice to see Pittman, Campbell, Pierce being the guys getting, getting, getting the ball here. Uh, seven targets for Pittman. He's kind of, he's back to a like, wide, you know, low end wide receiver two, wide receiver three option. Now, Paris Campbell's been awesome with Matt Ryan all year, five for 67. You absolutely love that for him as long as he he can stay healthy. So the odd man out here is really Alec Pierce, but Pierce will have his moments. He had eight targets today. just They just weren't connecting. So um, I was forced to start Kylan Granson in some spots where, you know, Gerald Everett and all these tight ends are out. Wasn't too happy with this one for 16. Even if you take him and Mo Alley, combine them, it's still no good. So uh, they only combine for two two targets, but – um, the, the running game, 22 for 84 for J, JT looked okay. Got his touchdown, you know, got three receptions for 10 yards, you know, so it was a little weird to see Deion Jackson in there at the end, but, uh, but t- Taylor still got to get, got his, got his stats for you. Deion Jackson as the two minute drill running back is goofy. I mean, yeah. I guess that you don't want to overwork Jonathan Taylor, but who do you want out there? Jonathan right. Taylor or Deion Jackson? It's one thing if you're putting Naheem Hines out there in those situations, but uh, Deion Jackson's not an upgrade in any meaningful way versus Jonathan Taylor. I agree, especially with, with the game on the line. Like you know, the game was, was 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 in hand. You know, you still had to win that game. So that was that was definitely weird. Especially you know, four catches for three yards. He was catching. He's a weird little little shovel pat. Like he's not breaking any tackles. It was just. I think he spoiled them with that with that ten catch game like like a month ago. I'm like, oh, this guy can really play. Yeah, let's hope it's a blip and not something that they plan to do going forward. But it certainly doesn't change anything for Jonathan Taylor. I don't think the Alec Pierce game changes anything for his outlook, but it's something to watch. Next week, they have a matchup with Pittsburgh, which is very positive for passing. 
Uh, so we'll see. It's going to be Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell in probably starter territory in our rankings for week 12. I wouldn't expect Alec Pierce to be there, but you know, the, a situation to keep an eye on for that one. And the tight end core, yeah, that's the group it's been all year. You only start somebody if you absolutely have to, and then you just cross your fingers for a touchdown. Yep. Patriots 10-3 over the Jets and only 10-3 because of the dramatic last-minute punt return touchdown, which is such – like, I don't know how much you can blame the Jets for it, but it's such a Jetsy way to finish a game where it looked like they had a chance to knock off the Pats. And not not only because they give up this punt return touchdown, but because they had the ball right before that, and it was clear that they were like, eh, we'll just take over time. We'll see how things go. And then the football gods are like, you shouldn't have done that, Jets. Yeah, I'm surprised that Zach Wilson didn't get on the podium and start blaming the special teams for, for the loss. What Zach did he Wilson, say? I, I saw a backlash against it, but I haven't seen the clip yet of what he said. They just asked him if, uh, you know, if basically if it's his fault or the defense's fault. They're like, hey, do you think you let the defense down? He's like, no. <laughs> ne- next question. Like, you know, the guy, he's just toast. I mean, we've been saying it for two years now. Zach Wilson yeah, stinks. He's just he's he's just terrible. And again, like, here's the thing too. He was the second pick in the draft, but it's not like the old days where you had to commit two hundred million dollars to the guy and now you're stuck. Like, just move on, move on from him. He's not he's not good. He's lost the locker room now. They were talking about how he was walking around the locker room yesterday, like like he didn't stink, like it wasn't his 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 fault. So I think he's lost the team. He's certainly Elijah Moore. He lost Elijah Moore about two months ago. So. I think it's time to move on from him, especially, you know, they're six and four. They have a shot outside shot at a playoff spot. Just get white or Flacco in there or somebody. Cause they got, they, they got weapons. They got a really good defense. So get Zach Wilson out of there. He stinks. There's nothing to really talk about for any player, you know, especially on the Jets in this game, but uh, leave it to the, leave it to the Patriots special team. So we'll win a game at the buzzer. Joe Flacco still leads Zach Wilson in touchdown passes this year, by the way. Sure. I believe it. On the Pats side, Ramondre Stevenson got the bulk of the backfield work again. 15 carries, six targets, tied Jacoby Myers for the target lead. Only 82 total yards, did much better receiving than he did rushing. Damian Harris, though, eight carries for 65 yards, had a 30-yarder, had a 22-yarder, had two catches for 15 and 13 yards. So we'll see if he gets any more work going forward. He's going to need more to be startable in most cases for fantasy, but I'll be curious to see if this is the kind of game that gets Damian Harris a little bit more next time out. Absolutely. And it should, he's kind of had an, he's had a knack for those long, for those long runs. I love those people. Well, if you take away the 30 yarder and the 22 yarder, he only had six for 10, you know, but yeah, he's remind, listen, Roger Stevenson is better. He's the better all round back. He's, he's certainly better, but, Harris has a role in this offense, especially a team that wants to win with defense and running the ball because Mac Jones isn't good either, although he went 23 of 27 in this game against a good defense. So, but again, no points, three three points out on a field goal. So, um, you know, Stevenson saves his day, six catches, 56 yards. He just looks really smooth in the passing game for a guy that's like his size and like, but he's got really, really soft hands, really nimble feet, good in, good in space too. So, um, so good, good for him. He's obviously you're still, even with Harris healthy, you're still starting Vermont Roger Stevenson, RB two go going forward. But, um, yeah, J- Jacoby Myers four four for 52. He's going to be hit and miss, but again, a really good jets jets defense. So, um, not, not a ton to take away from here. Uh, but, um, but, uh, Mac Jones did, did look halfway decent 23, 27 and didn't, didn't turn the ball over. 
Yeah, an efficient passing day despite taking six sacks in this one. Only three Patriots top two receptions, though. Johnny Smith, four targets, four catches versus one and one for Hunter Henry. Henry's still way ahead of him in playing time and routes, but it's the third straight game with three-plus catches for Johnny Smith. Only the second time that he's topped 33 receiving yards. So I'm not sure you can use Johnny Smith, although the leagues that we're talking about earlier where you absolutely need a tight end, you're just looking for somebody that's in there. Johnny Smith, Johnny Smith can at least help that kind of format. Absolutely. And also, too, it's just we haven't talked about it in a while because it's been so long. But, like, you know, they paid Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry good money early in, in the in the free agent period last year. And they just oh, haven't. Like, how does Hunter Henry get one target, one catch for 20 yards? Like, the guy was the guy was better when he was splitting time in, for the Chargers. Like, I don't understand why they don't incorporate him more. Maybe this was a Johnny Smith week, I guess, but you know, it's never Johnny Smith week. So uh, I just don't get this offense or what they're, what they're tr- trying to do. So, but well, whatever. I mean, they've got two non-offensive coordinators coordinating the offense. True. So I think that's a big key. I, th- this team has kind of long looked like they don't really know what they're doing on offense, basically ever since Tom Brady left. And it was probably that case before Tom Brady left and he was, you know, saving a lot of what they were doing, but We'll move on from that one to Saints 27-20 over the Rams. Um, I want to start with the disappointing part because Alvin Kamara should be at least fine in a game where the Saints score 27 points. I guess you could say he was fine because he had 89 total yards. If you're in PPR, you got four catches, 47 yards on that side. But 42 rushing on 12 carries is not going to do it. It wasn't a great matchup on the rushing side. But again, when the offense is rolling overall, we should get something better from Alvin Kamara. So it's it's disappointing to see them continue to not support his fantasy value. I know. I mean, he still he still kind kind of gets there, and you know, with the with the receiving, he had five five targets, which was second on the team behind Chris Olave. But yeah, I mean, for four for forty seven, fine. Twelve for forty two, okay. You know, the touchdowns just aren't there, and a lot of times it's Taysom Hill in there in the, in the scoring. Opportunities and, and Taysom Hill. I mean, it seemed like he was getting more run yesterday. You know, had three attempts nine at carries, four, nine carries, three attempts at QB. Um, you know, uh, a, a, a target or a reception. So, yeah, one catch for eight yards. So, it's just you know, Kamara. Obviously, you're never considering sitting him because of the everything that's going on out, out there. And plus, he gets the catches and he's got those four or five touchdown games in him too. So, but it's just disappointing when you get a, a matchup against the against the Rams. And uh, and he just can't he can't hit for you. And this year we have one game where he has found the end zone. He found it three times in that game. It's one of those games where you're like, oh, I guess I got to keep starting him through all the crap. But that's the only game where he has scored this season. Yep. And Taysom Hill, we mentioned nine carries. That's more than he's been getting lately. He has two other games this season where he got nine plus carries. But in between the 10 carry game against the Raiders and yesterday, he had four total carries the previous two games. So we'll see if he settles into getting the ball more. It seems like he should have been at while the offense was struggling the past two weeks. So maybe that finally motivated a little bit more rushing volume for him. Andy Dalton, though, is also good in this game. 21 of 25. 260 yards, three touchdowns, found Chris Olave, Juwan Johnson, and Jarvis Landry for scores. Chris Olave, though, was the only guy to crack 50 yards receiving. Yeah, he looked um, – sorry, Andy Dalton looked, looked great. He looked. He did look really good. And I wonder if sometimes, too, and this is going to sound weird, but, like, you give these quarterbacks a chance. Like, when Taysom Hill comes in, like, you might find, oh, it's going to ruin the rhythm. But sometimes it gives them a chance – 
you get a free chance to sit and talk to the offensive coordinator, the coach, and maybe dial up a play that you want to that you want to call. But yeah, he looked super confident out there. I love Chris Olave is so he's so tiny too. Like he's not like that like you know a very tooly prospect. Toolsy is the word I'm looking for. Maybe not not a tool, but uh, you know he doesn't have the height and the, the go up and get, but he's just always open. He's so fast. It's, he looks exactly how he did at Ohio State. He has a neck for the neck for the angel. Like I can't wait. Like I just want to start drafting again, just so I can draft all the Chris Olave in the, in the world. He, he looks great, five for one hundred and two and a touchdown. They have a ton of weapons there, man. You know, between him and Kamara, Juwan Johnson. Right, I talked last week about starting him over Pitts. I did it. I started him. I got the touchdown from him. I love it. But um, but yeah, they've 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 got the weapons there, and so it was nice to see him get going. And it was so nice to see Jalen Ramsey get burned twice because he's have- always running that yap. You might have to be taking uh, Olave in round three by the time those drafts roll back around. Fine. Perfect. <laughs> and I think uh, Zach Wilson is the guy you're thinking of when you say Thule prospect. That's right. Thule. Zach, <laughs> Zach On the Thule side, they decided to make the backfield even more frustrating for us. Daryl Henderson started this game as usual, but barely played four total snaps. I believe Cam Akers came in 14 carries for 61 yards. Obviously that's winning lots of matchups around fantasy. Kyron Williams, Seven carries, 36 yards, two targets, one catch, eight yards. So, I mean, it's it remains an unusable fantasy backfield. And I guess we'll see who's playing. I haven't seen anything about Henderson having an injury. Have you? I haven't seen anything. It's This is a backfield where you're just – if you never start any of these guys, you'll be fine. Like, you're never going to look back like, oh, my God, this guy killed me. Because none of them are, are popping for 70-yard scores. None of them are catching the ball. None of them are really scoring. I think Henderson scored last week. But like you're never going to be disappointed by not starting these 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 players. So you know, arts are is Cam Akers rosterable? Sure. Is Daryl Henderson rosterable? Sure. Maybe Kyron Williams too, because again, they're running backs, um, and they're injury they're an injury away from getting you know 15 touches. But I just don't think you can start any of them. Yeah, and if your question is is any of these guys droppable for something else that I need off of waivers, the answer is yes. Sure. Um, Matthew Stafford started well in this game, two touchdown passes in the first half. Then he left with a concussion. It's his second in like three weeks now. So that's worrisome. Probably increases his chances of missing the next game. Did throw touchdowns to Allen Robinson and Tutu Atwell from 62 yards out. So that's how unlikely things are. We did have Tyler Higby lead the team in targets with eight, four catches, 45 yards in the first game since Cooper Cup landed on IR. Yeah, at least you know we kind of get a, uh, a view here of what it's going to look like going forward because we just didn't know. Right? Is it going to be Ben Skoranek? Is it gonna, who's going to be running out of the slot? Van Jefferson played a, you know a little bit more out of, out of the slot this week, so that's good for him. But it looks like it's going to be Higby with the eight targets, and then Allen Allen Robinson probably moving forward. Robinson's going to get those red zone targets like he always has been all year. Four for forty-seven is in the score. Um, but yeah, Higby might be the tight end that pops now. And again, if Pitts is out, you know, all these, you know, Gerald Everett was out, you get all these injuries to tight ends moving forward. Like Higby might pop into that role again. Um, cause now, you know, he was, he was blocking for the last month or so, but now it's like, well, we have no one to pass to. You know, eventually we got to get somebody, get some of these guys out and these targets, and, you know, the, the, the Rams are three and seven. If Stafford doesn't play next week and they lose and they go to three and eight, you might as well shut down Stafford. You know, Cup's not going to play. You might as well shut these guys down to have them healthy and hungry and ready for next for, for next year and get yourself a better draft pick. So, well, they don't even have draft picks, so never mind. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, Stafford's got two concussions out already. I could absolutely see them shutting him down in like a week or two if things aren't going right. 
And came into the season with the elbow issue, so who knows exactly right. how that feels right now. I'll be surprised if Cooper Cup plays again. So I know we've had people wondering whether to drop him, and it's never totally comfy when you're not sure if a guy's coming back, but the latest from Schefter was that they probably need to get back into it for Cooper Cup to come back this regular season. I know I haven't been expecting them to get back into it, and certainly another loss here to the Saints didn't help that case. Yeah, they will not get back get back into it, especially if Stafford doesn't play next week. And they said what six to eight weeks now. You can you you can go ahead and cut Coop Cooper Cup. I agree. Lions thirty one, Giants eighteen. This is surprising. Like if you told me the Lions beat the Giants, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. I don't think the Giants are as good as their record, but blowing out the Giants was surprising. Jamal Williams, of course, the fantasy story, three touchdowns in this one. And like that's the kind of fantasy line that afterward you're like, God, I'm so stupid for not playing Jamal Williams. He carried 17 times for 64 yards. I mean, even if you take out the short yardage touchdowns, he was like 4.1 yards per carry. So it's not like he had this monster day. Uh, he's That's what he is right now, though. He's their lead runner. He's not getting any targets. So if he scores no touchdowns in this game, then you're barely aware that he's playing. But if they just happen to get three shots near the goal line, it's a big Jamal Williams game. This is, I think, his fifth game this season with multiple touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, he's been a he's been a league winner, man. Seventeen carries behind an elite offensive line that wants to run the ball. I mean, three touchdowns is crazy, but it's like a touchdown every week is almost a lock with the way that they like to play football. And you know, um, so keep starting Jamal Williams going forward because they just they love him. The coaches love him. He gets all the goal line work, and I mean, there's only a handful of good running backs anyway. So um, Swift usage is a mess, you know. It's tough when you're, when you're, you know, Deuce Staley doesn't like you, you know, he's, there's, there's all the rumors about that. But again, even with a guy like Swift, even some guys, when they're, when they're wrong, they're the the right. Like even a guy who gets no, no, you should still finds the end zone again. Like we're all complaining about last week. Swift didn't get the usage this week. Swift didn't get the usage. And I agree with that with everybody, but he still lucks out and finds the end zone to save your fantasy day. So it's not like he's been really killing you. Um, you know, and so, I mean, he's not the guy that you drafted, obviously, but at least, you know, he's getting, he's got guys like, I mean, we talked about Brian Robinson earlier. That that, that guy gets 16 touches against the worst run defense in football. and can't, can't sniff the end zone. So Swift, Swift hasn't killed you. He's killed you all year, but he hasn't, he hasn't killed you the last two weeks. So, um, and also there was talk about him, you know, coming out i mean this is kind of a macro look but like people didn't really like his footwork his efficiency his vision and maybe that's stuff that staley is seeing but he should not be running third behind justin jackson i mean that's that's what that's wild but we don't know what type of attitude swift has on the sidelines there's just a lot of stuff that we don't see um for him because because when you get a situation like this where it just makes no sense whatsoever week after week after week there's gotta be there's gotta be something going on behind the scenes and there's definitely the shoulder injury. Now, at this point, we have to not use Swift until we see the touches come back or at least some week where Dan Campbell's like, yeah, we think his shoulder's better. We're going to get him more involved this week. Then you can take a shot. You know, like you said, the past two weeks, you got lucky by him scoring a touchdown. If he doesn't, though, hit the, both of those games are terrible. And even with the touchdown, they're just okay fantasy week so swift's the kind of guy you can use if you need to if you don't have better options not the kind of guy that you should be scared to sit right now we'll see where things go as he hopefully gets healthier like you mentioned justin jackson more carries in this one nine versus five for swift so he was second among lions in that category one target as well to just kind of cut into that stuff 
Um, on the Giants side, Daniel Jones had a big fantasy day. Not a great real football day. 27 of 44 passing, so that's a lot for him. 341 yards, one touchdown, two picks in this game. 50 yards on the ground, though, and a touchdown there. So he's probably going to finish the week as a top five fantasy QB. Yeah, great. I mean, he's my my hero this week. I had to start him in a ton of spots and 341 passing yards and a touchdown, 50 rushing yards and a touchdown. So big time for him. You know, got Wandale and Darius Slayton involved early and often. Unfortunately for Wandale, well, he had nine for 100 this week on 13 total targets, his biggest game as a pro, but I think we just got news. He's, he has torn his ACL and he's done for the year, unfortunately. So um, go pick up Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton has looked good, 5 for 86 last, last week, and now he's really the, the last man standing in, in this passing game. So um, that might need more targets for, for, for Barkley. Hopefully that it's not need more targets for Galladay, who had two for 30, his biggest game in, in five years, two catches for 30 yards on three targets, two, two targets. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, down, down week for Saquon Barkley. Listen, Saquon Barkley owes us nothing. Saquon Barkley has been incredible for us um, saying that because because I love him, but 15 carries for 22 yards and two catches for 13 yards against the Lions is uh, is not what we were hoping for. Uh, We were hoping for we were hoping for much, much, much more than that. But again, he owes us nothing. Yeah, it was supposed to be Saquon Barkley week, but. If you're disappointed, just let his week one where he blew up the Titans on the ground. Right. Who has since stopped every single running back. Like those two balance each other out. You're not going to sit Barkley going forward. There's nothing to worry about from this game. They're at Dallas this coming week. Um, I agree with Darius Slayton. That matchup could be tough for Darius Slayton in the passing game. After that, though, they've got Washington twice still. They've got Minnesota in week 16. So Darius Slayton could have more of an impact on the close of, of fantasy seasons than we ever would have guessed coming in on to the Raiders and Broncos in overtime, 22, 16 Raiders over the Broncos. Derek Carr, unfortunately for my wallet got there. Thanks to overtime. He finished regulation short of 240 passing yards, which is where I had him in underdog pickums last week. Then we had overtime and he hit, uh, Foster Moreau for a 33-yarder hit on Moreau's only catch of the game, then a 35-yard touchdown to Devontae Adams to win it. 307 passing yards. Not a reason to bet on Derek Carr. Nice finish against a tough pass defense, but not in line with anything else that Carr's done this season. So I'm going to go ahead and continue expecting limited stuff from him, and we'll go ahead and continue expecting big things from Devontae Adams, who had a huge game. Josh Jacobs, who got back to 100 rushing yards. Yeah, Jacobs and Adams, studs, they're top 12 of their position. You know, obviously you're starting them every single week. Josh Jacobs, 24 carries for 109 yards, not a single other running back in the box score with any catches or anything. Which so, should look. That's right. That's, that's that's the way it should look. Does not get in the end zone, unfortunately. But Adams hits Matt Collins, if you had to start him, emergency kind of situation six for 52 he gets there he's he's had his games he's been okay mm-hmm. for what for what he's kind of been this year nine targets um jacob's also involved in the passing game foster moreau man another guy that i was forced to start and i think we started him in the in the main event and draft sharks and uh you know one what do you have one target so three targets on the game uh one sailed over his head in the end zone wasn't even close it was almost like they were throwing it away and he finally gets involved in overtime on a seam route to kind of uh you know to get five fantasy points but um, and it's always fun. Like if you went into a game, like man, if this guy gets me five fantasy points, I'm gonna be pissed. But then when you, when he goes into overtime with none and he hits for five, and like thank God five, it's the best five ever. 
So, but, uh, but yeah, he wasn't really involved, but can you really, can you really blame him? I mean, when Devontae yeah. Adams is just killing everybody, 13 targets, seven for 141 and two, including, including the game winner on a little post corner out there, monster day for, for, for him. So, um, you know, Jacobs and Adams makes sense. I mean, I can blame you when you're only getting 16 points in regulation and you're short of 240 yards. <laughs> something needs to change. For Moreau, though, like he's somebody that you look at the usage, you look at how off he's on the, often he's on the field, and you're like, at some point he's going to emerge as a worthwhile PPR option. He only has one game this year where he has more than three catches. He has no games of more than 44 receiving yards. So like, whatever you're hoping Foster Moreau is going to be in a given week, you need to lower that by, I don't even know, 25 to 30%. Yeah, he's been he's been disappointing because there's been year like last year when Waller was out, Moreau was was awesome. And so again, it's a new in a new coaching staff, you know, a coaching staff that had um that has Hunter Renfro in the slot, you know, when healthy and doesn't throw him the ball. So it's just been a weird I don't know what McDaniels wants to do with this team. I think it's right right now with all the injuries, it's just throw the ball every single time to Devontae Adams, which is fine. Like I told you, I totally get it. Um, and just give the ball to Josh Jacobs. Fine. Awesome. But yeah, like, like, like you said, moving forward here, we kind of, we kind of got to put the brakes on Foster Moreau and Darren Waller's going to be back soon anyways. And on a run for So at that point, you're not, you're not even thinking about starting Moreau. On the Denver side, Melvin Gordon had a 5-4 lead in carries, 3-1 lead in targets in the first half over Latavius Murray. Then he fumbled near the goal line late in the second quarter, and Murray finished with 17 carries to Gordon's 8, 4 targets to Gordon's 5, so he out-targeted him in the second half. You know, tough to know exactly how much the fumble affected things, but it certainly seemed to affect things, and Nathaniel Hackett said after the game, he can't fumble there. He's got to take better care of the ball. So I wouldn't be surprised. I would have to bet on Latavius Murray getting the ball more than Melvin Gordon heading into next week. And then Chase Edmonds looked like he was in for a bigger role this week, but got hurt early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, the the Broncos just Hinton drops a touchdown on a free play. Like all these different things happen to them. Like I'm trying to, I'm taking my notes watching the game and I'm trying to describe these plays. I just put Broncos suck in my notes. <laughs> like how do you describe play after play after play? They just, they fumble, they, don't, they, they get it back. They can't score a touchdown. They got to kick. It's just Nothing they do works. Changing play callers doesn't matter. Yeah, I, every time I watch them, there's not it, it's not something where you're like, "Ooh, that worked." They should do that more. Right. It's always like, "Oh my god, how is this team so bad?" <laughs> it's oh, you're right. It's oh my god, this team sucks every, every week. You know, Sutton five for eighty, like okay, I guess, and seven seven targets. But when you're the only pass catcher there, like it's got to be better than that, especially against the Raiders. Like, you know, so we have Judy coming back next week, hopefully to kind of muddy the waters and. And we'll see with the new play caller if, how, how much he gets going. But this this team, like you really don't want to play anybody if you don't have to. I mean, you're obviously going to going to have to play Sutton because of the upside and all that type of stuff. But don't don't expect anything big from him. Cowboys forty, Vikings three, and I think that disparity leaves not a whole lot to talk about fantasy wise from this game. Obviously, Tony Pollard. It would be unfair to go through this game without talking about him every time that he is prominently involved, it makes you wonder why he's not always prominently involved. Yeah. I mean, listen, every chance we get, a, every time we get a chance to talk about Tony Pollard, we, uh, we have to talk about Tony Pollard because we don't, they don't allow us to do it often, unless we're screaming about how he needs to get the ball more. Led the team in rushing yards, led the team in receiving yards on a fly route, catches a fly route for a touchdown, a 68 yard touchdown, six for 109 and two, two scores. He just looks so much better. We don't even have to talk about that anymore, but let's just, let's just 
keep him there. Keep him uh, in in that role. Keep Zeke in the in the grinder, third and short. Even when Zeke steals, you know, two goal line touchdowns, fine. Like if Pollard's getting all the pass game work and all the other run game work, uh, fine. You know, it's 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 great for for Tony Pollard. Unfortunately, Lamb five for forty five. I think he had four for 43 in the first half didn't do anything in the second half again they were off by a million points he got tackled the one yard line on a screen pass which stinks but this is kind of an outlier for cd lamb you would have expected like if you didn't watch the game like oh my god 40 points let's go see what lamb did nothing because they that he barely played the second half mm-hmm. yeah and zeke did get 15 carries in his return same number as tony pollard i would bet that that rises going forward if the knee is good to go but it's at least good to know it's possible for them to give tony pollard as many carries as zeke in a game where they both make it to the end on the Vikings side i don't think we change anything for our fantasy outlook but it's clear from this one that they are not as good as their record well sure yeah i mean, we, I mean they won an impossible game against the bills last week but uh but yeah they, they are i mean it's a very condensed offense, right? You've got Jefferson, you've got Hawk, you've, you've got Cook. Um, Hawkinson, 34% t- target share in this in this game, you know, so you're obviously starting him with confidence. Five for 34 on nine targets. Jefferson, you know, we got the reports of a, of a mild turf toe, only three for 33 in this, this game, only five targets in a game where they were getting smoked. So, and again, he sat in the fourth quarter, so maybe, you know, that obviously has an effect on your – on your, on your, your line, but I'm wondering if that's, if that uh, little turf toe is kind of messing with him, but we'll see next week. Yeah, it's possible. He also had a matchup with Trevon Diggs, who's been playing better this year than he was in coverage last year. So that hurts next two weeks. They get new England and the jets. And I mean, I'm not sitting Justin Jefferson against the Patriots, but it won't be shocking if he has a disappointing one there. The Jets have been a tough matchup, especially, especially sauce Gardner. So that could be another rough spot. So again, not somebody that you're sitting, but you can't count on Justin Jefferson carrying your team the next two weeks. We'll see if that turf toes an issue. I think probably his practice participation will tell us more than um, anything else on that front. Bengals 37 Steelers 30 Najee Harris, a second straight, nice day. He had not had any games before week 10 where he had 20 carries or uh, 90 yards or four and a half yards per carry. And he's now done each of those things in two consecutive games. Yes. Welcome. Come, coming off a bye, right? Welcome. Welcome back. Or the, the, the last two weeks. Anyways, welcome back to fantasy relevance. Najee Harris, 20 for 90 to two scores hurdled someone diving into the end zone. Looked kind of athletic there. That's that nice was a nice see. looking touchdown that, run. Right, nice to see there. Uh, so yeah, you're starting, you're starting him. Um, Especially you know, with Jalen Warren leaving early with the hamstring injury. In that I was one. just going to say the targets. Yes. Jalen Warren out. So that'll definitely help the targets. Definitely. help. Again, a lot of these running backs, you don't have to be good. You just got to get the volume. And we'll talk about that on the other side of this, of this, of this game. But um, yeah, so yeah, you're starting Najee moving forward here. Pickens again, four for 83 and a touchdown. We knew this is the second week with a touchdown. Last week was a rushing score. We knew this condensed, um, target share, getting getting rid of Claypool. He 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 looks great. He also he also left some on the field there with a drop drop pass, but he makes up for it with all his acrobatic stuff. He's great great in the run game too. So, um, yeah, nice to see him get going there. Um, I I benched Deontay Johnson kind of where I, I don't have a lot of him, but where I did have him, I benched him just because it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen this year. Pickett's not not good enough. Deontay Johnson apparently isn't good enough for for twenty one. It's just what the Steelers are this year. They need a quarterback next year, and uh, and then they can hopefully unlock this this, this offense. Mm-hmm. 
On the Bengals side, another good one for the passing offense. Big game for Joe Burrow, four touchdowns in this one. Um, T. Higgins got it done, although let Samaje Pirine score almost all of the receiving TDs with Trenton Irwin, of course, grabbing the other like we all predicted going into this game. The Joe Mixon concussion certainly helped. Pirine's first touchdown came before Mixon left the game. His other two followed Mixon leaving the game. But Mixon, you know, concussion history says Mixon's likely to miss at least the next game. So Piran should get a start. Unfortunately for him, it'll come against the Titans. I know. That was the first thing I went and looked at because I have not a lot of Joe Mixon at all. I have a ton of Piran. One of those roster cloggers that's just been sitting on my roster waiting for this moment. I go and look, oh, it's the Titans. Freaking fantastic. But again, if they can keep him involved in the passing game, though, right? I mean, four targets, four catches for 52 and three touchdowns. He's basically um, Tony Pollard with a beard. Fine. Beautiful. <laughs> I love Tony Pollard with a beard. Okay. So much AP, right? So yeah, I mean, he's going to be startable next and next week. Cause I'm assuming, you know, these concussions guys are, have been sitting out for at least, at least a week. So get him involved. But, but Matt, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a 5k matchup against our buddy, Chad Schroeder oh, over boy. there at the FFPC. He, he had, uh, he had Joe Burrow and I had T Higgins and we are neck and neck and Burrow throws for four touchdowns and none of them are to T Higgins and I'm losing my mind. So, um, so kudos to him, but Hey, I had, uh, I had Travis Kelsey last night. My, the, my best friend of the whole wide world. I'm down two going into Monday night and I have the Cardinals did defense. How oh, do boy. I, how do I hedge this bet, man? Where do I, where do I hedge if the Cardinals don't get an interception or a fumble or two sacks or whatever it is. I guess you got to take the over on somebody on that 49ers (laughs) offense. Would it be Christian McCaffrey? That's right. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm taking the overs on all 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 the Niners guys, but, (laughs) um, but anyways, that was a long story, but yeah, T Higgins looked, looked incredible. He was a guy that again, had like nothing through like the first quarter and a half. And I'm like, what is going on? And then he exploded at the end of the second quarter, uh, makes a big catch down the sidelines before the half. And like is rolling over on the sidelines, holding his back. I'm like, oh no, not again! But he ends up, uh, you know, coming back out in the second half, which is dominating. So it's good to see nine for 148 on 13 targets. That's what he should be getting, uh, you know, in these these matchups without Jamar Chase. So uh, it all kind of made sense. Bur- Burrow got there and all that. It was nice to see Higgins, but we'll see uh, what Joe Mixon looks like this this week. Tyler Boyd quiet in this one, seven targets, but only caught two of them. They're hoping that Jamar Chase is going to be back for that Tennessee game next week. So we'll watch this week and see. Certainly if Chase is back in, I'm not going to feel great about using Boyd. It's not going to change my outlook for T. Higgins, though. Right, exactly. Chiefs 30, Chargers 27 on the last game in this particular roundup. Patrick Mahomes does not care who is missing from the field. He threw three more touchdowns, top 300 yards once again. All three of those touchdowns went to Travis Kelsey, much to the joy of Adam Krautwurst. Second game (laughs) of three-plus touchdowns this season for Travis Kelsey. So you love to see that. And the more interesting thing, I think, just because we haven't had enough time to come to expect it yet, Isaiah Pacheco, breakout game, over 100 Mm -hmm. yards on the ground. Second straight game of 15-plus carries and 80-plus rushing yards, though. Yes. Yeah. I tweeted last night. Is Isaiah Pacheco Tony Pollard? Because he looks fast. He looks quick. I mean, come on. I mean, how, how is he fast though? Yeah. Well, we don't know because they because they they don't throw him the ball and he doesn't score touchdowns. So that that's the problem. He can look as great as he wants. He can be in the best offense in the league, whatever. 15 for 107. It's 10 fantasy points, right? Like we need we need catches, we need touchdowns. But 
you know, not that he was getting a lot of touches, CEH high ankle sprain. So at least, at least it makes, at least now we can cut CEH and at least it makes these two guys kind of more startable. You can kind of lock in on more of that, more of that goal line work. Cause CEH, the time that he was on the field, he's always in there inside the 20. So uh, maybe that'll go to Pacheco. Maybe that'll go to McKinnon. Now they're both startable. Um, and, and not you, you probably were starting Pacheco in anyways, but now uh, the, the ceiling is, is, is much, much higher on them. Yeah, CEH was getting more work early in that game than the week before, so that his injury is probably more significant than it might seem based on his previous usage. Pacheco's just fun to watch too. He he runs like he runs like a puppy that's been waiting for you to get home from work to play all day, <laughs> and now you're wrestling, and he's just so excited to be doing it. And it's yeah. the kind of run that makes it look like he's about to break it every time, even when somebody tackles him at the goal line, or like at the line of scrimmage. It's like, oh, if he had just broken those three tackles, he was gone. You know, that's funny you say that because the opening play of the game, they do a handoff to him and the, the flow of the line, like he gained like a yard, but it looked like the most beautiful yard. Like, like, oh man, that was, that was a really good run. But, um, but speaking of good runs, Travis Kelsey, can anybody oh, cover Travis? Like, what are we doing? The guy just every week, every year, everybody knows it's going to Travis Kelsey and there's no one near him. Oh, don't worry. We'll put our all pro safety, all pro athletic freak safety on Derwin James. It doesn't matter. Patrick Mahomes drops back. Travis Kelsey goes in motion. If that's what you want to call it. He just walks. He walks down the line of scrimmage two yards. Cause like, okay, stop there. And then he just runs an op. They're just tight on option routes. Like I'm going to say, hike, you're going to run out. You're going to pick which way you want to go. You're going to be wide open and we're going to win. Like, it's just, it's, it's pathetic. It's incredible and it's pathetic all at the same time that the only person they can throw to is Kelsey and it's unstoppable. And the guy's 33 and 33. It, it's easy to forget now, but his career began with a knee injury that required microfracture surgery where people at the time were like, Oh, I'm not sure his knee's ever going to be the same again. So if that's what your knee does after microfracture surgery, I'm going to go ahead and get the operation. Yeah, right. It's right. I mean, he's looked, He's looked unstoppable, and I'm already thinking, like, you know, man, next year, where's he going to go in these drafts? He's going to be 34. <laughs> like, what are they going to do? On, are the Chiefs going to do on offense? But, like, how do you not How do you not just keep going going to, to, to Kelsey in fantasy? Because maybe he's not this next year, but he's, you know, a top five fantasy tight end until he decides to, to retire. On the Chargers side of this one, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen came back. Mike Williams decided he was not actually 200% healthy very quickly in the game, aggravated that ankle again. Keenan Allen, though, stuck around, looked good, uh, had 94 receiving yards in this game. We still had a bigger game from Josh Palmer, though, including two touchdowns. Yeah, this 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 was a frustrating. I mean, again, I had Kelsey in a lot of spots, which is fun, but this was frustrating because I benched Palmer in a lot of spots because, you know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then, and then I, you know, I've got Mike. I know there's a lot of Mike Williams, Tony rosters out there that are just like, oh my God, zero points from these two guys c- combined. But or, although I think, I think Mike Williams caught that one ball. Yeah. One for one, one for 15. So ankle injury again to, to him, but Palmer again, eight for one Oh six and two touchdowns. This offense is electric. Like when they can get Palmer running as their third, third receiver. I mean, they're, I mean, you saw opening drive of the game, bang, deep touchdown to Palmer for the touch for the touchdown because you know, the third corner can't, can't stay with him. So hopefully Mike Williams is okay for next, for, for next week. He looked like he was jogging on the sidelines, but um, it's just more bad luck for the chargers they just can never get they just can never get get healthy at the right times this was about to be 
uh, they probably could have put put up 40 or 50 if, if they had a healthy healthy offense. Yeah, it was a season high in yards per attempt for uh, yep. Justin Herbert, even with Mike Williams leaving this game early. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. The Chargers do have a very favorable, one of the best quarterback scoring schedules remaining. Um, so there's room for Justin Herbert to be a big effector of league results. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, 23 of 30, 280 yards, like, this team looks good. Mm. That's going to do it for this week 11 recap edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now for more details on what happened with all your key week 11 players in the Shark Bites section. We will be updating our rest of the way rankings as usual today. Tomorrow we will have our week 12 projections and rankings out, as well as all the waiver wire articles that you need to know who to pick up in this condensed week for everybody. We got three games coming on Thursday ahead of the normal weekend. We got no buys, so we at least don't have to worry about filling in guys who are simply sitting out for us, but we'll have all the advice, all the player picks and all our usual shows. So head over to DraftSharks.com and find what you need for Adam Krautwurst and the entire draft sharks crew. I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks so much for swimming with us.